Oh, we're live. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Kind of Funny Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the producer slash seducer, Nick Scarpino. Hello, Greg. Top of the morning to you. Top of the muffin to you. Forbes 30 <laughs> under 30, a.k.a. the second best baby blues in San Francisco, a.k.a. the verified one at Tim Gettys. At Tim Host. Very happy to be here today. You should be, all right? We're finally going to get some answers out of this guy. Because, ladies and gentlemen, our guest is none other than the creator of The Walking Dead and Invincible, Robert Kirkman. Oh, boy. Here I am. Finally, no regrets. Yes, you can. You, you yes, trust the me. Key by, word there. By the end of this, you will have regrets, Robert. Thank yeah. you for coming through today. How are so, you? So that's how we're. That's how we're opening this. It's just, yeah. No. This mm-hmm. is gonna go poorly. By yeah. the end, we'll all regret it. Okay. Well, here's board. the thing that Let's I think we need to get addressed right at the top of the show is that even before we got into this, Nick was confused by what we were talking about. When I was, we were talking about sausage coming out of the sausage machine mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. crank it, mm-hmm. Nick said, I was like, you can't eat it. He goes, but sometimes you can. I don't think you ever, I don't think anyone's ever putting pre-cooked sausage into the sausage machine, Nick. So, Are okay, but the hot me? dog is pre-cooked, right? You can eat a hot dog. A hot dog is pre-cooked. Robert, a hot dog's pre-cooked? Dude, I don't know anything about anything anymore. I'm not answering hot dog questions. <laughs> Robert, he doesn't want that heat because if he answers it wrong and someone eats a hot dog and then that's throws true. It up, that's it's a great point. I cannot comment on the uh, edibility I, of uncooked hot dogs because I, we oof, see Robert. Uh, we don't have an empire, um, so I will go out of limit and say eat all the pre-cooked hot dogs you want. I don't care. No, Take them out of the package no, and try to swallow that. them all in one. It doesn't no, matter to me. Don't do that. I'm just Please saying that the that. sausage when you see it getting ground up and put in the casing, that still needs to be cooked. You're not seeing a pre-cooked one there, Nick. That's I was always sense. raised to be scared of eating hot dogs that aren't cooked in the same way that 80s kids were scared of quicksand and lasers. So I don't know. Oh, about man, I used to be so scared of quicksand. See, we all were, so Robert. Funny. We grew up thinking it's going to be right there in the playground. You're done. It's it over. Literally everywhere in pop culture. Where everywhere. did the quicksand go? That's a that's a really great question because we were watching uh, we did Indiana Jones in review and obviously there's a there's quicksand in that and nobody believed me when I said we used to go out to like our backyard and be like is that quicksand and we knew it wasn't but like there was a possibility there was a little sinkhole there we could fall away and just be gone forever well so here's like, the thing find Grow a it kids up. cartoon from the Tim I'm talking find a kids cartoon <laughs> from the 80s. Uh, that doesn't have a quicksand scene in it. And it's uh, true. Yeah, I'll Not going to do I'll give you a medal. When I was growing up, there was a, a, a playground with like a, it was called Mountain Lake Park because at this place, there was a mountain, there was and a, a park, and there was also a lake. Yeah. Uh, and in that lake, dope. there was, it wasn't quicksand, but I mean, I don't know. It's what they, it's what I would call it because it was sand that you can sink into. And a horse went in the lake one time Died. and started, yeah, it couldn't get Never out. They, story. they had to shoot him. They had oh to shoot the God. horse. Wait, it was quicksand. True story. It wasn't quicksand. It was just... Tim, your mom always told me it was quicksand. And my I mom also told me not to eat uncooked hot dogs. I don't think my mom knows shit, but that horse <laughs> is dead. Do you know how much that seed in, in Never Ending Story traumatized me when I was a kid? And to this day, yeah, I can't get I near do. a horse. I do. Be I've ridden a lot of horses. That, that was a lie. But still, the stuff that we used to, to watch. Me, Robert, you're, you're, you're you probably haven't ridden a lot bracket. of horses. The amount, the amount of stuff we were exposed to in the 80s as children is just, that would never fly today. And Atreyu trying to pull the horse, I forget the horse's name, Greg, help me out here, out of the mud as it sinks. Bill. And he's like, you're my, best, you're my best friend. And he's like, well, I'm dead now. Yeah. That was it. That was, yeah. that was my first entry into things dying. And yeah, they went pretty hard back then. They were like, yeah, it's for kids, but you know what? We're going to do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, now, now, now everybody's afraid to, except you, Robert Kirkman, right? Look at you trying to trick everybody with yeah, this invincible cartoon. We, you started up. You we think pretend that we, uh, God, I'm just going to talk over everyone. I apologize. That's what no, you no, do. No, 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 no. First off, they're here to see are. you. Don't worry about me. And secondly, no, that's the conversation. <laughs> I'm passing the baton. It's fine. Don't worry about it. 
No, I was just going to say, we, we pretend that our cartoon is not for children. That's how we get away with it. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't even know where to start with you. First off again, thanks for coming on. You know, we've known each other for years. You've always been too big for it, but now you're desperate and I appreciate that. I don't think you've ever asked me, but okay. <laughs> the Greg wow. Miller way. Call people a coward before he asks them something nicely. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's our banter. That's what me and Robert do. We do it on panels all the time. We do it in passing at Comic-Con. It's great. Yeah, Everybody that is it. a mutually agreed upon thing that both of us have talked about. That is, that is <laughs> it's an unspoken not... thing. That's what makes it our thing. You know what I mean? Oh, I don't know what you're man. doing out there when you talk to Fallon or whoever. You know what I mean? You and I, we got this. This is our thing. This is what we're up to. Okay. Talk to me about this. How crazy is it right now to you? Like, I, I know your life has obviously been crazy for a while, obviously, with the juggernaut success of The Walking Dead. Uh, you've had other shows. You've had other comic books. You continually create all the time. But now to have Invincible back in the public, I mean, and I say back in the public mindset, but I guess in terms of mainstream in it for the first time in so many ways, like, is it lost on you how crazy the story and ride's been? I mean, it's a little different just because I'm seeing everything virtually. Like when Walking Dead really hit, I'd be promoting it in New York at New York Comic Con and I'd be like in a car going to some press event and you would see Walking Dead playing on the TV screen and bars like just as you're driving down the street and you could just be like, Walking Dead playing in that bar, Walking Dead playing in that bar. Uh, and that stuff was uh, like super crazy. Um, so now like I'm not experiencing that, but I will say that like, I couldn't make it a full-time job to just go through my Twitter mentions right yeah, now yeah. because Invincible is just like people are talking about it constantly. Uh, and so that's pretty crazy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty nuts seeing uh, uh, just what the response to the show has been and the fact that, uh, you know, people are, I, I like uh, uh, sometimes I go on Twitter to see what people who don't read comics are saying about Invincible. Like if you mm. just search Invincible, just to see like, okay, like these people who have no idea what this thing is, what are they saying? And uh, that stuff is pretty fun. But, uh, you know, I, I have some time in the pandemic to do that. But other than that, I'm, I'm only, you know, existing in this bubble and seeing what's in the bubble. Sure. You like this better than the other way, though, right? Because I remember one time on a, you and I were at a Comic-Con. I was like, oh, man, you want to go out and get a drink? Today? Like, hell no, I'm going back to my room. I don't do anything. <laughs> I am possibly one of the most boring people you'll ever meet. Uh, <laughs> I get a lot of the, hey, I'll buy you a drink sometime. And I'm like, no, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never see me again. Because <laughs> that is not a thing that I do. <laughs> so have you uh, been surprised by the reaction? Because personally, I have been. Where, you know, I think I talked to you about it. Uh, I've talked to the shows about it. Of, you know, for Invincible, whenever I gave somebody the comics, whenever I gave them the trade, whenever I gave them the ultimate, it was always wait till the kicker, wait till the kicker. Like you have to get to this moment before sure. I think you can do it because you're building something. And I know in comics that was multiple issues. So that was even tougher, I feel. And for the, you know, where we're at right now with the saturation point with superheroes, the way episode one of Invincible goes. And by the way, uh, Tim, Nick, we didn't talk about this ahead of time. How do we want to handle spoilers? We're, I think we, obviously, first three episodes of Invincible, I think, are up on the table. That's fine. You should have watched that by now. Amazon Prime, go get it. Yeah. But in terms of we've all read the comics, we're not going to go further past that, right? I would I would say yeah. no. Let's yeah, just stay we'll, vague. We'll, yeah, because, I mean, that's that's a question. I mean, we'll get into it later, but I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of people that this might be their first time kind of experiencing it, and I definitely don't want to ruin it for them. 
So yeah, I'll, when I'll you do my best not to mention, you know, Invincible dying in issue 30 of the comic or anything. Sure. Like well, that. when Mark grows that fourth leg, that's when it really gets weird. You know, that's when the, that's when you kick it up another notch. Four. I, mean, I feel like, yeah. Fourth. Four is what you jump to. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's if I see third leg, everybody's like, oh, Greg's making a dick joke. And they crack a Budweiser and do a wheelie. All right. And if I have one more wheelie lawsuit, I'm going to be pissed off. Yeah. All right? I can't so many. It. As your lawyer, I recommend against Thank another you, wheelie you know lawsuit. I mean? Exactly. <laughs> Too many of them. But like, for this one, uh, I've been shocked by the amount of people who didn't turn it off, that didn't think it was, you know, it didn't necessarily listen to me or see me yelling about, like, stick to whatever the punchline is going to be or stick to, the, you know, the end credits when I did see it finally. Like, I've been shocked the amount of people who stuck around and then that they had, I can't believe that you did it, where as a so reader of the comic. Hold on, stop. You're, yeah. you're shocked that people finished the first episode. You're shocked that people didn't turn it off halfway through. Is that a thing everyone is doing now? Yeah, Dude, that's what people do. It's, it's instantaneous. You know what I mean? People, Robert, if you don't we, grab them, they're it out. Is, it is like, in my household, it is like Gladiator. If I if my wife doesn't like something, it's it's thumbs down, and we never go back to it again. There are so many good Netflix shows, so many shows that I have zero context for, because the missus, <laughs> I had to kill them. I had to kill them. And, I mean, I mean to be fair, though, Greg, I mean, you're talking about 42 minutes of arguably great storytelling animation, but True. people have zero attention span these days. So, I, I mean, That's I... Fair. And, and the other thing that I think you have to realize too, um, as a person who I assume um, you know wrote the source material, is that you ha you ha you purposely have a little bit of a slow burn baked into there for when shit goes bananas at the end of the first episode. Um, yeah. It kind of that you need that build up, right? And so I think a lot of it is is there. So I, that's a, that's always something I wondered is like, did you guys expect for people to be like, where's this going right around you know minute thirty of the animated show, and then bang, you hit them at the end of it. I mean, I definitely wrote that episode hoping that the content of the episode itself would kind of lull you into this sense of like, why are they saying this is a mature show? Yeah, I yeah. didn't catch anything that's mature. Like, I heard this thing is violent. I haven't seen any violence, you know? Like, I, I wanted people to be going, this, this could be a kid show. Like, why, you know, like what's going on here? Uh, just to make sure that, you know, the end packed as much punch as possible um and you know we did have some concerns yeah i am a little bit aware of people that you know don't make it through full episodes i mean amazon talks about that a lot and they're very data driven and you know 20 percent of the people watching this show don't make it past minute 15 you know that's a that's a thing that comes up in meetings and things um and so uh, uh so yeah like you know i tried to make the white house sequence at the beginning as as spectacular as possible mm -hmm. with the different guardians doing different cool things yeah come on yeah try and you know show that there are cool things coming and you know um you know but but yeah i mean it was an effort to try and uh you know fool people into thinking the show was one thing so that we could tell them that it was actually something completely different by the end of the episode and I, I think, think you did such a great job. Yeah, I was going to say, you succeeded. And, that, and like, to my point, I, I can't believe you did it again, where what I felt reading the comic book, I got to see my wife go through watching the show. Where when it did happen, it was the invincible splash screen. Okay, and then it starts, right? And then we go into it, and the killing begins to have her go, what the fuck is happening? Like, you know, like, where is this the show? And I had to be like, yeah, like, she didn't know it was, you know, supposed to be mature or violent. And I think, you know, even now when you look at the way it's being marketed and some of the key art that is being used a lot is, you know, marked down with blood on his face a bit, yeah. like trying to give you a hint of like, this isn't going to be just the Superman Superboy show that I think people might think it is at, you know, knee-jerk reaction. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, Amazon is very clear that, you know, they don't want anyone watching this show with their kids thinking that it's a kid's show. So all the marketing is very much like, 
try and put the violence front and center, try and make sure people are aware that this is something different that they're getting into. And, you know, there's warnings in front of the show and everything. So we're this, trying this to make it clear what, what it kind of is. This is why I miss the eighties, eighties, no warnings. <laughs> you got none of that stuff. <laughs> Deal with it. Start off with the last scene, call it a day. <laughs> Yeah, with there Walking were Dead in the '80s, going seven people had heart attacks watching this. They, and then they put it, exactly, they put it on the poster. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's their marketing <laughs> campaign. Three people died in the theater while watching it. <laughs> while watching it, wow! Uh, with Walking Dead coming out when it did, both the comic and the show, I feel like it was really kind of ahead of, if not creating, the zombie kind of resurgence from there was the dawn of the dead back in the day but like walking dead is modern zombies and it there's been many things well, since I it. mean, not not really i i don't mean to interrupt your question but uh, uh i do have to clarify that um there was uh, zach snyder's dawn well it was 28 days later really that that kicked off the zombie resurgence and then because of the popularity of that they did the dawn of the dead remake with zach mm. snyder that was written by Which james great. So and good. they did uh, land of the dead the the fourth romero, romero zombie yeah. movie was that the uh, one where they were in the apartment complex those, uh yeah that's the one with the okay. apartment complex. i don't think yeah. i ever saw that one um it's it's pretty good that's, i, that's saw, cool I saw a scene of it like a week ago where dennis hopper he was like oh look over there and then shoots a guy in the back of the head for no reason i'm like i want Sky this flowers don't work no more george <laughs> Sorry yeah, to interrupt. Great, right? there's cool stuff in there but but walking dead really i think i think that and lost ended i think like less than a year before walking dead started and so i think it was like okay our our, our survival on the island show ended and there's mm-hmm. been all these cool zombie movies that have got a lot of press and then walking dead kind of debuted like at the perfect moment right at the end of that and it was like oh cool like if, if i can't watch lost i guess i'll watch walking dead and all these other zombie movies look kind of cool so so let's see what this is um so anyway i didn't mean to derail your question but i just wanted to uh, make sure that I wasn't taking credit for the uh, Robert Kirkman, the man who anyway. invented zombies. He invented zombies. Yeah, 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 exactly. this episode. <laughs> yeah, at the very least, brought him back from the dead. Uh, but when, with oh, Invincible, it's it's very good. different because you know obviously it, it's such a satire on and like a commentary on superheroes and the comic itself is so great. But the show coming out so many years later now in 2021, do you think that this is the best time because people are educated now on superhero stuff or? Is like how is it going to live around so many different superhero properties that are now kind of just the most mainstream thing possible? I mean, I think it's the perfect time because people are so educated and 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 are aware of these you know characters and universes and tropes. I think the tropes are very important. Uh, when Invincible debuted in two thousand three as a comic book, um, you know the Marvel and DC universes had been around in comics for almost a hundred years, uh, and. Uh, uh, you know, everybody was very well versed in, you know, this is how a Batman story goes. This is how a Spider-Man story goes. Uh, you know, you're going to fight Dr. Octopus like clockwork every, uh, you know, 20 issues and he's going to get away and, you know, he'll have a new plan later and, you know, he's not going to die or anything. And if he does die, he'll come back later. So, so uh, uh, you know, everybody kind of knows the, the language that superhero stories are told with. Um, and uh, uh, we were able to play with that in the comic space. And now I think we're going to be able to play with that in a really cool way uh, with the animated series because the mainstream audience has now kind of been brought up to speed with the comic book audience with where they were back in 2003. So I, I think we couldn't have hit it a better time. I also think that, uh, you know, the pandemic hitting and taking all the Marvel movies off the schedule and, you know, DC movies and things like that. Uh, I know we've got, you know, WandaVision and, and uh uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier now and the Snyder Cut and stuff so there's a lot of things happening like right there this month but I think people are still starved for superhero content in a way that they weren't a year ago it's true because you can get through the Snyder Cut in about two weeks um, and then what do you <laughs> yeah, watch after that easy. 
<laughs> slow play it slow play it. yeah you know what i mean chapter by chapter you're fine i guess then you know you talk about you know invincible as the comic book dropping in 2003 like what is it like for you and i also tell me again feel free to interrupt my question and call me stupid if you want what is it like for you coming oh. back to this world to create with it but also create something you already created right it's like you i that we were talking about it on one of the shows i think on our reacts to the first three episodes where somebody brought up like i wonder how different it's going to be and tim cited an interview you had done somewhere that was like we have a great story and we want to tell that story like is it hard to come back to this so many years later and try to tell the same thing but try to t- change it different and like do you get in your own head about like oh, i kind of already did that or i don't want to say it like that or is it a chance to redo things well, I mean, it is a chance to redo things to a certain extent. And we started working on the animated series around the same time that I stopped writing the comic book. And so uh, for me, it was somewhat therapeutic because I never had a period where I was missing the characters. You know, mm. you grow very attached to characters if you, you know, write them for, you know, I think the comic book series lasted 16 years. Um, so, um, you know, it, it, was, it was fun kind of like diving back into the characters again uh, with the animated series. Uh, And I was able to kind of look at it like a second draft where I could go, okay, well, you know, I was doing stories a certain way at the end of the Invincible series. And I feel like Invincible and Walking Dead 2, to a certain extent, I I, I hope that you can see me grow as a writer as the series progresses. Uh, You know, I think there's a lot of charm and a lot of really cool stuff to those early issues, but there's a lot of things that I, you know, kind of wish I had done a little differently. Uh, And and I I definitely handle the characters in a, you know, different way uh, toward the end of the series. And so for me, it was uh, kind of a way to uh, try and take the, you know, like... skill level that I had reached by the end of the comic book <laughs> series and kind of bring it to the earlier issues uh, and, and expand things uh, that way. And I'm hoping that, you know, diehard comic book fans, when they watch the episode are like, oh, there's like a little bit of Nolan dialogue there that like hints at some stuff that's coming that, that you know, Robert didn't have the, he didn't know it was coming when he wrote the comic. And so this is kind of added in and, and there's like a little bit more depth and a little bit more uh, uh, emotion to, to the scenes. Um, that, uh, you know, I think you did have later on in the comic, but maybe, you know, I feel we're kind of lacking earlier on in the comic, but I'm very critical of my own work, uh, to be completely honest. Yeah, well, you shouldn't be. You're great. You know that. We'll stop. I'll, I'll go back to making funny a little bit, but you're fantastic. You know that. We, thank you so much for oh, making please, I need this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so sure we, you're getting all, enough of it right now. <laughs> well, that's the thing. is like, we've all loved this, and I've seen nothing but praise for Invincible so far. Well, very well deserved, in my opinion. And uh, the, the question that, that I've seen the most is, should I read the comic now, or should mm-hmm. I just watch the show? And so you being the creator... Yeah. What do you recommend the best course of action for people that haven't read the comic yet to consume both the show and comic? You don't have to read the comic book now if you'd rather just watch the show, but at least buy it right now. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but no, I mean, I, 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 am, uh, I am nothing if not a comic book salesman. So by all means, like you should go into a comic shop. Uh, uh, you know, if you like this series, uh, you know, even if you don't, want to spoil the series and you don't want to buy invincible buy another comic book uh, but you know if you're watching this show and you're not if you're watching invincible not this whatever the hell this show is um but if you're watching invincible and you aren't reading comic books like you're, you're missing out because a lot of the cool stuff that you love about invincible uh is you know from comic books and you should be reading comics um but uh, uh i don't know i mean if you wanted to read the comic book series i don't think it's going to spoil very much because um you know like walking dead there's there's certain there's certain things in the comic books that we're playing off of in the show. 
And so you might come at it fresh if you haven't read the comics, but you also might not get the way we're trying to misdirect you and the way that we're subverting your expectations if you haven't read the comics. Yeah. So it just depends on like what kind of experience you want to have. Um, because there will be times where you'll be sitting there if you've read the comics going, ah, they're doing this now. This is crazy. Get ready. And then we don't do it. And you'll yeah. be like, oh, what the heck? Like, this is what's happening now. This is weird. Um, and then there'll be other times where you're like, oh, they're, they're doing this now. And you've experienced some of this already in the first mm -hmm. three episodes. Uh, but there's, you know, more of that kind of stuff coming. Um, well, that was so, my, no, go ahead. that was my thing. You know, I mean, as somebody who loves Invincible and has, you know, read it many times over the years, like for that initial fight that ends episode one, right? Like just when Omni-Man shows up and throws that first punch and they super speed out of the way, that's when I was like, oh shit. Cause that is so different that this, that whole fight that yeah. plays out in a completely different way than, you know, the original book did. And I was like, holy shit. Like that's the kind of thing I'm getting out of it. And then obviously like I texted you a little thing of like seance dog, which I totally fucking, <laughs> d d d you know what I mean? Science dog was the man for so long in Mark's obsession. Now it's seance dog. And he's clearly Dr. Strange. I'm like, oh yeah, that's funny. But now, real really, quick, Robert. Doctor Strange, what? Have you heard of him? He's a master <laughs> of the mystic you, arts. Yeah. Why would you be so reductive in, in relation to a seance dog that well, you I mean, would say that he's like, same outfit, nothing, same cape, and everything like that at all? Oh, weird. My, now, earlier, you made a joke that you didn't know what our show's called. Is that right? Robert, let no, me I tell you, this is the kind of funny uh, podcast each and every week, twice a week, four, sometimes five, best friends gather around these microphones, each coming to bullshit with each other about whatever it is they want to bullshit. Today, we're talking about uh, comics and Invincible and Walking Dead with Robert Kirkman. Uh, if you like that, you can head to patreon.com slash kindoffunny, where you can watch us record the show live, just like Demetrius Newell is, Joe Mertens is, Matthew Lewis are. Of course, if on, you're on patreon.com slash kindoffunny, you can ask us questions, you can give us your topics, you can get the show ad free you can get it with the exclusive post show we do twice a week however if you have no bucks to toss our way at patreon.com slash kind of funny it's no big deal go to youtube.com slash kind of funny roosterteeth.com and podcast services around the globe each and every week to get a brand new episode hey two episodes why not uh some housekeeping for you thank you to our patreon producers at Dananobiologist, aka mick abramson and a round of applause mick engaged over the weekend very nice, nice to see out there uh dj kento devin carter steve powers ryan trimble kieran o'donnell joy aka joseph o Youssef, aaron horan bill abui julian the gluten-free gamer danny rodriguez and rachel gray today we're brought to you by better help and hello fresh but i'll tell you about that later back to this show one of the things i loved the most about it is like for me somebody who knows the series so well going back now and this is something i talked about obviously with uh, tim and nick but like going back to this episode one is so interesting to go back and see mark as a kid again where I feel like you did such a great job with the Invincible comic series, right? Of going through so many issues, dozens and dozens of issues and him growing, let alone no spoilers with how the you know series ends and where sure. it leaves uh, his story. So to be able to go back here and have those moments and again, to what you're talking about of like where the trash bag lands this time and how the trash bag is interacted with versus how it was in the first issues I'm enjoying. But something I didn't expect, uh, just because I didn't think about it, I guess was having actors doing this having vo with it having uh nolan get angry and start to lose it and then bring it back together while he's talking to his wife right and then seeing mark do it later on as well and being like what you're talking about understanding a bit of like oh man they're they're teasing the temper they're teasing what a viltrumite really is right like sure i dug that and didn't see that like 
are you having fun writing those scripts and getting to tease those things in there and then seeing them come to life with somebody like J.K. Simmons? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing what actors bring to the table. Uh, if I could just make an obvious statement, uh, it's something that uh, is all, uh, you know, it's always a joy on The Walking Dead. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, with this, you know, being in the recording booth, there were countless times where we would have a line of dialogue that we kind of, you know, pictured going one way. And then uh, as the actor would say it, you would think like, oh, there's so much like to this that we didn't really anticipate, that we didn't really expect. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of really great character moments with Sandra Oh, where she just brings so much to the Debbie Grayson character um, that, you know, it, it starts informing scripts as you continue writing the series. And it's just a really great experience to, uh, you know, take it from these words that float in word balloons on a page and, you know, bringing them into a, a you know, an actual uh, uh, actor's voice, it's nuts. I want to bring in a question here. All right. This one comes from Lexus who wrote into patreon.com slash kind of funny, just like you can and says, what's up kind of funny and Robert Kirkman. First, I have to say Invincible is fucking awesome. As this show is my first introduction to the series, uh, I would like to preface my question with this. As a kid, up until now, I hated Superman. I always felt his lack of weakness made him uninteresting. Heroes with vulnerability and a need to overcome physical adversity were always my favorite. But there was a specific piece of dialogue between Mark and his mom that truly blew the lid open on what the appeal is for characters that are, quote unquote, invincible. When she tells Mark to go inside and he says, make me, her response is so spectacular. She says, does that make you feel powerful to know I can't physically make you do something? He then goes on to calm down and apologize. And it's there where the, the line in the sand becomes clear. It's the reservation of characters who are unstoppable and in their desire to appreciate and live amongst people less than them. I wonder if you, Robert, can elaborate on that scene and if that was the intended takeaway from that conversation. I was locked in after that and really hope the idea is explored more, especially with Omni-Man, who has no human in him and clearly has no love for other superheroes. Gosh, a lot to unpack there. Um, I think the main intent of that sequence was to show the distance that was growing between Debbie and Mark because of Mark getting his powers. Um, you know, sure. the line of dialogue where she's like, it, it was you and I and your superhero father for so long, and now it's you and him, and I'm kind of left over here on the side. Um, and, you know, a little bit about her, you know, feeling left out, but, um, you know, this is a, a transition in Mark's life, and, uh, you know, it, it was mostly about that. But I think that one thing that we really analyze with Invincible is that concept of, you know, nearly invincible characters and, and uh, how, they, how they manage that. Um, there will be many times in, in this season, there's, I, I can think of at least one off the top of my head in this season where Invincible, and you guys who've read the comics know there's many, where Invincible doesn't understand the power level of the person he's fighting mm -hmm. and sometimes goes a little bit too far and is like, whoa, holy heck, I, I thought I was fighting somebody that was on par with me and I just completely obliterated this guy and I didn't really mean to. Um, and uh, uh, so, you know, another aspect of it, though, is that, you know, you have these characters that are uh, uh, super strong, you know, like Superman, where it seems like, oh, this guy's going to win every fight. And, you know, this can be kind of boring and there's really no conflict because they can handle almost anything. And it's fun to have the boxes where they exist in that aspect and, and explore that. But with Invincible, we can take them into bigger and bigger boxes where eventually in Invincible, you find him in places where he is very much outmatched and very much at a disadvantage. And you are, you know, 
fairly certain he could die in that moment. And so having the world be so expansive that you can have your Superman-esque stories where he can do anything and have stories where he is very much, uh, you know, at a disadvantage uh, is a lot of fun and gives us a lot of different things to, you know, do storytelling wise and a lot of different areas to play in. I know we're talking about something you're coming back to in writing that you've written before, but obviously you can twist and turn it however you want to. My question for you is how do you write a comic? And I don't mean like the actual, like you're, you know, panel by panel. I mean, like for you, is it sitting there and letting a story run or is it like you were just talking about of like, well, it's this interesting thing of, you know, Debbie and him used to be, you know, the norm, the normies versus the super pod. Like, is that a conversation that's happening organically in your head as you start thinking about things that are going to happen? Or is it that you want to get to that beat and then you get there and you write it? I mean, there's a lot of different things that go into it. Um, I think that, uh, um, you know, uh, conflict is story. So you sit around trying to think of different kind of conflicts that you can have with the characters, whether they be physical or mental or large or small. Um, and so scenes like Mark and Debbie having that conversation will, will pop into my head when I'm trying to fill space. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta make a book here. I gotta give them something to do. <laughs> but, but I don't know. It's, it's weird. Like you, 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 if you've done it a while, you start to see an architecture where, um, you'll go, I need, I need people to care more about this character here because they're going to be going here. And I, I need them to be worried when this is happening. And so I want to make them like them here. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's, it's kind of like just turning dials where you're like, okay, uh, uh, you know, I want them to like them. A little, I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to have them do some bad stuff. So I want them to like them less so that they're okay with that transition for a while, but then I'll have them save save a puppy later and then that'll make them (laughs) like them more and and it's just this like roller coaster of of trying to manage uh you know reader and 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 viewer opinions on things um but uh uh for comics specifically and i think this helps me out a lot um i i i kind of uh in in my opinion I, i feel like i'm working for the artist and my job is to excite them and entertain them and give them things to draw that they're going to enjoy and the reason for that is because I strongly believe that if the artist is having a good time, the reader will have a good time. And if I'm writing things that I think the artist will enjoy, I'm also having a good time. And so what that means is at every step of the way, when I'm writing a comic book, I'm trying to think, uh, is this cool? Is this impressive? Is this startling? Um, so, you know, like I'll be writing a scene like the Debbie and Mark one, Uh, In a comic book, I'll try to make that one page because nobody wants to draw two normal people sitting on a porch talking. Uh, And and if they're having a conversation, it's like, well, how do you how do you punch that up? Well, uh, you know, have that moment where Debbie's like, you know, like, oh, and Mark says, like, make me, you know, like there's like a physical confrontation that could happen between mother and son and the son is superpowered. This is crazy. Uh, that's kind of an unexpected thing that would happen in that scene. You don't really expect things to go to that level. Um, it kind of makes Mark seem like a bad guy. Uh, it makes you really identify with Debbie and, and respect her when she stands up to him immediately. So it's like kind of character building. But those kind of scenes happen because when I'm writing them, I'm like, this is boring. This is dull. This is a mother and son talking. No one wants to see this. I have to have something you know, to, to, to make I mean, this, dynamic uh, in there. Yeah. Yeah. To make it, to make it pop in some way so that it, so that it's cool. And I think that having that in my head at all times, uh, you know, helps you write good comics. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm always trying to write cool action sequences, but also find some way to make that action sequence uh, startling or unique or exciting in some way. And every now and then, if I'm writing the comic, I'll be like, well, uh, I guess this one's not that unique and I'll just have to move on because there is like a time basis to it. But I feel like if you're always trying to put that effort in, um, you know, it definitely just kind of helps you along and helps you uh, get into a mode of, you know, trying to do cool stuff. How's the creation process different uh, Invincible being a streaming show on Amazon versus Walking Dead being, you know, on a, on a cable network being tied to run times and, you know, I, I imagine certain amounts of swear words or X, Y, and Z, that type of thing. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of nuts and bolts stuff like that where when you're on a network, um, yeah, you have those kind of limitations there. My favorite is the, uh, on The Walking Dead, we could show the upper one third of a buttock. Oh yeah, we couldn't. My favorite show the bottom two thirds. We have that same limitation on this podcast, so (laughs) just in case you were just show the whole ass, guys. Uh, YouTube won't allow it, but they're fine with that top third. Uh, but, uh, uh, so there's, there's stuff like that. I think, um, um, there's some storytelling, uh, uh, limitations that are in broadcast TV where you write to commercial breaks and you have a five act structure. And so, um, you have to be aware of when those commercial breaks are going to happen and you have to write to them so that, you know, the show isn't weird and you're just cutting at random points, um, on invincible. We don't have that at all. We just, we have a set amount of minutes and, and even the set amount of minutes, on, on Walking Dead, it has to be almost to the second. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's a very narrow margin of like, you can run over this by a few seconds. On, on Invincible, that's a number of minutes where it's like, eh, you know, as long as you're at this point or this point, like you're good. And I can't remember exactly what that range is, but I think they don't want an episode to be shorter than, I want to say 43 minutes and they don't okay. want it to be longer than like 52 or something. So, uh, so yeah. But uh, that's a huge, uh, that's a huge margin though, especially when you're dealing with animated like that, that extra eight minutes, you're like, Oh, that's a couple more weeks of work. We got to put in on this bad boy. Yeah. Yeah, Were Um, there talks about this being, cause like I, I, something leading into this, I kept hammering home is like, I'm shocked that we're getting a hour long animated show week to week. Like I've never really seen that done before. Like, you know, even in, in like anime type things, like those are still 22 minute episodes week to week. It's one of the many times that I've been in a, uh, a pretty big, important meeting and I throw something out off the top of my head. Like, I don't know. I think it'd be pretty cool if this was an hour long animated show. And then they're like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And then a couple of weeks later, I'm like, is that, that really, that really happened? Cause I threw <laughs> that I out. Why say that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, like, yeah, I mean, do that? Is that yeah. okay? Like, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I thought, uh, I thought it would differentiate it from things because, there are hour long superhero shows and there are half hour animated superhero shows. And so, um, and I also, even though this is animated, I wanted it to feel like a cable drama and cable dramas are usually, uh, you know, 42 to 50 minutes or whatever. And so, uh, uh, you know, I just, I just thought it would be cool. Um, very difficult in animation, I must yeah. say, yeah, because then, uh, uh, you know, our episodes lengthwise are kind of like two episodes of a normal animated series, but content wise, our episodes are kind of like three uh, animated uh, episodes. So uh, it, it was a, it was a somewhat difficult process, but uh, you know, the team rolled their sleeves up and was able to pull it off. So when you, when you pitched that, when you said off the top of your head hour, right, did you have an idea of where you wanted that natural first season to go? 
And if they had said, Hey, we want to do 30 minute or 22 minute episodes, are you going to go like, Hey, we'll do more of them. Or do you, how do you, do you scale back where you want to end with the actual comic run? Yeah. Luckily that never came up. Uh, once, we, <laughs> once we had the episode length and the season length uh, pretty much decided, um, you know, we, we had a set plan for what the story was going to mm. be for the first season. And, and there was never any discussion of, of varying that if they had, I would have tried to figure out a way to, you know, we probably would have just cut stuff here and yeah. there to tell like the same basic story because, you know, when, when the first season is kind of completed, you'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, this is, this is kind of what they should have covered in the first season. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we wanted to be true to that. Whose idea you know, was like, it? said too much. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. While we're here, before you get to your idea, I just want to know, like, like, are, is your intent to do the entire run of the comic? Me and Kevin talk about this all the time or we hope and dream that it is, but like, is, do you think that's actually going to happen? I mean, that is the hope. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't, I mean, uh, I've said this before. I, I kind of regret it because it did get a little play. I think it'd be really cool to go beyond the comic if the show was super Oh successful. my God. Don't oh, fucking don't say that, that Robert. Yeah, don't fucking don't say that. With that, like what, obviously the critical reception has been fantastic, but if you can talk about it, what has been the reception in terms of the success of the show? Um, I mean, it's, it's, uh, performing very strongly i believe are the words i've, I've gotten like they're very specifics <laughs> but uh uh it's 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 doing it's doing very well um i don't know what that means <laughs> so like jeff bezos hasn't driven a, like a rain like a brand new range rover to your house yet or anything like that no no but my paper towels are coming super fast lately. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. you're getting so, one day amazon prime that's worth it's waiting cold <laughs> yeah. right there these days still waiting I click buy and it's already there oh, <laughs> we thought amazing. you might want this robert here you go great job <laughs> nick i cut you off i'm sorry you were gonna oh no i was gonna i was just gonna ask you about input on casting and things like that because i mean oh, sure, one, yeah. of, one of the one of the standout for me the performances was uh jason mitzikas who just i just want to know who's who do i have to thank for that who who cast oh, him in uh, this? Jason is a, a buddy of mine. Um, we've, God, how did I meet him? I met him at SNL one year, okay. a long, a long, long time ago. And, uh, uh, and so we've, we've talked a bunch and he's hosted panels for me at Comic-Con and stuff only when Greg's not available. Thank you. Thank and, you. And uh, it's, uh, <laughs> are, you sure, you want are, we, are we sure it's not the other way around on that? <laughs> but, uh, uh, but it, it, Jason's casting wasn't, I, I don't know if I've ever told him this, but it wasn't a matter of like, it, it wasn't a matter of like, are we going to cast him? It was, who is he going to play? Cause I know uh, that he, uh, you know, not only uh, being a buddy, but he, he also is a big fan of invincible uh, aside from being awesome in literally everything he's ever done. Yeah, and so uh, uh, I knew I wanted him to be a part of this, uh, you know, in some way. And then uh, him being Rex Blood was just absolutely perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. Kevin and I were talking about that the other day, Kev, right. Where you were like, it hit the first time and he's like, Oh, it's Jason. And he's like, I don't. And then by the end, you're like, Oh, like, like the end of the first sentence, you're like, Okay, no, this is actually perfect. Cause yeah, it, so I don't, for his attitude. I never sat around to think about how the characters would sound, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? I read mm -hmm. it and I knew. I mean, I didn't either, to be honest, which yeah. is, I guess, somewhat odd, but yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I, no, I, it's such, you know, it was the other day where I forget what show we were on. It's, uh, somebody asked, like, Does the voice in your head sound like you? And it was that stop of the question of just like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I've never attached a voice to the things I think, you know what I mean? And it's the mm. same thing for a comic book where there's so many times I read the page and like, I feel like I know those characters and I understand you know, like who they are, their motivations, and everything else, but I don't, 
sit there and have it play out like a play in my head. So when we got there, yeah, and it was Rex. It was like, oh, I, I, as soon as it started, I turned to my wife. I'm like, oh, it's the pillow fucker uh, from Big Mouth. <laughs> and she's like, oh, it is him. And then, but it was like, he got away from that, you know, that young energy so quickly that it was just like, this is Rex. And this doesn't make sense for who this character is. Yeah. With the, with the voice cast you have that is utterly insane do you think that when you're writing next season if that were to happen do you think that season you might happen, change Robert? change the the way that you write some of those characters to fit the new character that the voice is bringing to it oh that's interesting uh yeah i think so i think that uh i mean writing rex will be a lot different having gotten you know intimately familiar with how uh, uh, Jason portrays him. And I think there's definitely characters. I mean, Debbie Grayson, for instance, I think uh, uh, the way Sandra has done all of her scenes and the way she's kind of embodied that character is definitely going to, you know, help us figure out how we're going to, you know, use her. Uh, uh, if there were to be a season two, no uh, official confirmation as of yet, unfortunately. Um, I like how but, Greg uh, tried to slide that in. I'm like, this is why I doesn't drink with you, Greg. This is why. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want to, you know, ask the question. It's out there. It's on the cable now. So yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. I mean, like that was the thing of again, no spoilers, but knowing where the characters went in the comics, seeing the cast you have, and like having those. I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to see how this character will do X. You know what I mean? Of like, if you stay true, or if stay, if you stay on target with what you've been before, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, how somebody like Sandra O, oh, you know, is Debbie two seasons from now, three seasons from now, as that continues to go, or just, you know, I don't, I'm guessing I know where you end this season, but I don't fully know, obviously. So I'm excited. You might not know. You might not know. Maybe. I mean, I think, know you know, either. you might be wrong. You might be right. Damn. There might be options. Could be a lot of options, could be a lot of options out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, probably wrong. I'm probably just filling wrong. time guys. I'm just <laughs> filling time. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of this, like when you're in the conversation where like, it was boring in the book, but I just got to do it. Just basically this podcast. I'm just going to power through it. Just talk, say, maybe you're right. Maybe you're uh, Samuel Griffin had a question in the same vein as what we're talking about, though, and I want to get back to it because you talked about Jason. Uh, Samuel Griffin wrote into patreon.com slash kind of funny and said, hi, kind of funny crew and special guest Robert Kirkman. I have a quick question for you, Robert. How much input did you have in the overall casting for Invincible? I noticed watching the show, it's at times sometimes a mini Walking Dead reunion. Uh, I love loving my first experience with the Invincible story. I can't wait to see where this goes. So, like again, for people who are in the business, right? You're in the, you're in the boardroom. You're like, maybe we make it 40 minutes. They're like, great idea, Robin. You're like, ah, fuck. Like, is it the same thing? Like, is your word just gold where you're like, we got to put Jason in and like, yeah, we, yes, sir. Right away, sir. We'll put him right in there. And then you're like, well, I like, I like Steven. I like all these other people from walking dead. Well, now, I, mean, Robert, I guess in before my you answer, Robert, he's going to ask for a role in season two. Uh, I want you to know I already out. did that before when season one got announced and I didn't get it. So we, okay, we learned okay. that doesn't work. I'm not barking up the tree again. Just and listen, you had the peanut. part. You had the part. It was yours. And then Seth Rogen called and we were like, fuck Greg Miller. <laughs> um, <laughs> I apologize. I'm right sorry. I can't be mad that. about that. I understand that. I respect right? that. I understand. I mean, come on. You would have made that decision had it been yours to make. Correct. Yeah. Well, I think it was on the morning show when we were like, Hey, let's do it. We'll do a joke thing where I do that read. And so we read lines of Alan, uh, the aliens dialogue. And I, I as they were coming out of my mouth, I was like, this is bad. This is real bad. <laughs> and I shouldn't have this role. And I'm glad you gave it to Seth Rogen. Yeah. I'm not going to say you make smart win. choices in your life, but I think the, uh, I think the material speaks for itself. So we'll just leave it at that. So I interrupted you, Robert. Sorry about that. 
Now, to answer the question, I'll say that, uh, you know, in my capacity as executive producer on the show, I mean, you know, the executive producers are the ones that decide who gets cast. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I uh, uh, was able to say, uh, Manzukis, that's the one. Uh, now, that said, if you want to email me or text me about getting a role on Invincible, I can't help you. I have no power whatsoever. It's really weird. But, uh, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> we're getting on the Kirkman oh. train too late. Remember, he got fucking Gary Whitten Walking Dead. Ugh. You know what I mean? Something else he lauds over my head all the time. <laughs> oh, he was great. But Wait, when, uh, Gary oh. was in Walking Dead. When was Gary? Gary was a Gary was a zombie in the pilot of Walking Dead. Did you did you have to do much makeup for him, or did you just say, "Hey, just act"? <laughs> you British. know what? You you look good. Go. <laughs> You're fine. Go on get out there, there. Widow. You got that dry awful. British sense of humor. You're fine. Get out there. We, we are. love Gary. Tons we of makeup. Are. Tons of makeup. It was very <laughs> difficult to make him look like a zombie because he's so adorable. But uh, uh, but yeah, no, uh, the Walking Dead stunt casting, is, as I like to call it, with with the Guardians of the Globe, um, you know, we're spoiling the first three episodes. Uh, those characters were created to die. Like they, mm-hmm. I knew that they were going to die, you know, when I introduced them into the comics and I knew that this was going to happen at the end of the first episode. And I just thought it would be real, <laughs> real funny if it was a bunch of Walking Dead actors because uh, those people tend to die on Walking Dead at some point. Uh, uh, some of them haven't yet. Um, and then there are guys like Ross Marquand and uh, Kari Payton. Kari Payton is a extremely talented, very popular voice artist. And, yeah. uh, you know, getting to know him over the course of Walking Dead, he's, a, you know, just a fantastic dude. And, uh, you know, if you have an in with a voice guy that's that talented that you can get into your show, like you're definitely going to, you know, call in that favor. Uh, and so I, I feel really fortunate to have him on the show. Uh, and Ross. Ross is, uh, you know, Ross is playing, uh, uh, you know, a few different characters, which is always pretty cool. Is there anyone that you're shocked you got? I mean, almost everyone, to be completely <laughs> honest. Like, I was like, Mark, Mark Hamill? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, that's great. I mean, we worked with uh, Linda LaMontagne, our, our casting director, and she would just be like, so I'm thinking Mahershala Ali for Titan? And we would be like, what? <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Okay. For, the, for the cartoon? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, as far as Mark <laughs> Hamill is concerned, I feel like you can't do a good animated property without including Mark Hamill. He's the seal of approval, Absolutely. right? Yeah, if you he get is. Him. Yeah, he is that for sure. Absolutely, and he was uh, he was uh, just a, an absolute dream to work with. It was so it was like, well, there's there's Mark Hamill. He's he's in a room with me. <laughs> was that was that your first time interacting with him, or it really was? Yeah, I mean, I, I had walked past him a few times at conventions, but you know, I had never really bothered to bug him or anything. Uh, so I, I had been in his presence, uh, not that he was aware of it. If I could make it as creepy as possible, <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, but no, when he yeah he came in for the recording session, and that was the first time I got to meet him. Which, we uh, saw you know, uh, William Shatner eating lunch one time at Kansas City Comic Con, and we all lost our shit. So I can't even imagine with Mark Hamill sitting there. Did you? What was he eating? He what was uh, William Shatner eating? I can't uh, remember. Do you guys, it maybe, was the barbecue place. Remember? It was barbecue. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So oh, it was good so in, good. Uh, Kansas City. No. No. What? It, remember yeah. what happened, guys? So we we staked out the table. We all got up to go Holy get. The, the barbecue and as i think it was me and kevin came back and yeah. we looked over and was like is that william shatner sitting at our table and then we're like we gotta sit at a different I, table I had we to can't sit at stuff. that table anymore i had yeah. to go get my stuff was right next to with making no eye contact because like i didn't want to disturb him i'm sure he's a friendly guy he's just, like he's doing his yeah. thing i don't want him being like yeah kevin I don't was want, like i loved yeah. you i loved you in wrath of khan okay <laughs> <laughs> so at, at, at any point do you do you nerd out when you're working with these people or do you just try to keep it professional as possible I, I, uh, I, 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 I feel like I haven't really talked about this a lot. I've been really, really fortunate in that um, 
I uh, absolutely worshipped the Image Comics founders as a child. Mm. And um, I was able to meet them on my way up in comics and befriend a lot of them. Uh, and I hang out with, you know, Rob Liefeld uh, uh, quite frequently uh, pre-pandemic. Uh, and uh, it's it's somewhat awkward to be like, uh, yeah, this is like a buddy of mine that we hang out and we do things. And I had uh, posters of his drawings on my wall as a child, you know. <laughs> uh, and so... Uh, but I've had a lot of interactions where people that I've just looked up to my entire life and I'm just like suddenly hanging out with them. And so uh, uh, I'm freaking out inside constantly in almost all of these recording sessions. And I hope I hide it well. Uh, there are times when I don't. Uh, I know the, the Michael Dorn session, I was... <laughs> I was just like, I can't believe I'm standing in front of Worf right now. That, that I mean, that would <laughs> oh my specifically God. like I think it'd be okay until he, until his voice came out, and then I'd be like, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> the best got... thing though, and I, I'm sorry, he's he's so great. But we we're talking to him, and he's like, so uh, so Battle Beast, okay, uh, tell me about this character. What's he like? And I'm like, uh, he's uh, he's kind of like a, a guy that's like uh, real focused on war and Red fighting, for war, and uh, he's like. Uh, yeah, and I'm like, you yeah, guys like a tough guy. Doesn't yeah. really understand and, human emotions that well. And, yeah, basically. And so I'm going through all these things, and he goes, uh, "Let me to just do my wharf voice." Yeah, yeah. Let's please. And I go, <laughs> I, I, go I, "I would never, I would never in a million years ask you to do that." But if you want to do that, that'd be great. <laughs> if, that, if that's your take on it, go for it. That's you know, whenever amazing. you're inspired, however you feel, whenever you want to get out there and do, it was spectacular. That's awesome. So then, do you have these like? through the looking glass moments because you're talking about the people you know being in the room the, coming up with the people that or being in the room with the people you respected and nerded out for coming up but now i have to imagine that happens to you all the time like right when you go to comic-con like you've ascended to a different level like you're you're robert fucking kirkman like and i mean and that's saying something because i remember like getting you know having uh back in college senior year this guy bob Britton handed me the walking dead like you love zombies here are these first two trades of this thing and then at the back the little doodle of you that was like buy my other books and it was like battle pope and i was like oh cool and i remember you were coming to town in missouri for something and i couldn't go i was like oh whatever and my friend went well, he's like yeah, 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 yeah that's funny up. i remember doing that signing in missouri at, yeah uh, and so it was like this thing of just like you were even then like it was cool that you were a comic creator but i mean like now you're like behind these gigantic entertainment properties like people must lose their shit to meet you all the time yeah and i just look at them and i go look guys i'm a big deal can you please leave me alone <laughs> yeah i'd really appreciate it yeah i do that uh, i do like, like da da get rid of these people take them out of the room <laughs> no i i don't know i mean i've i've spent so many i've spent so many hours behind a table at a convention watching people walk past <laughs> and not pay me any attention whatsoever yeah uh that uh uh you know i i i hope that i will always appreciate anyone being in any way interested in me uh in any kind of creative way so uh uh so you know i try to be nice to people unless i know them if i know them i'm very mean to them which you can which i guess is my sense of humor i don't know maybe i'm just a weird person but uh uh that is how i show that i like people <laughs> That's how that's our in. thing. Fit in that's with us very well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? Uh, like I joked yeah. around on that IGN stream where I sent in the question for you, but that's still one of my most cherished Comic-Con memories is like we finished the Skybound Lounge. We had been hosting for like a couple hours or whatever. We were walking back to the convention and you passed me on a, a golf cart. And I don't remember what the fuck you said, but it was so mean. And you just rolled by in front of all these people. I was like, that's Robert. That's how we talk to each other. <laughs> that's great. That's great. But no, if you if you've ever come to my table for an autograph at a convention and I look at you and I go, oh, you again? 
<laughs> it's because it. I remember you and I like you. <laughs> do you do you think back to those early days and does any part of you miss a simpler life when you know you could just go and people are like, "We hey, love your art," and not necessarily want to stalk you on the street? I mean, a little bit. Um, uh, and and uh, I will say that it, it, it like happens in waves. Like mm-hmm. uh, uh, the when I was on Talking Dead constantly. And, uh, and The Walking Dead was kind of at its like absolute peak, like seasons four, five, and six. Um, you know, I, I uh, uh, you know, going to cons were a real bummer. Uh, there was a New York Comic Con where uh, I like to go and, you know, I like to buy Transformers toys and I like mm-hmm. to look at back issues. And so I left the booth and uh, this, is, this is a great story. I, I don't think I've ever told this publicly. So I step out of the image booth and uh, usually I can walk a good like five minutes before I get stopped. And then I'll, you know, have like a couple of photos and maybe sign a couple of books. And then I'll walk another five minutes and get stopped. And that's fine. That's no big deal. Um, I could not take two or three steps. And then I would have 20 people around me like hounding me like, oh, can you sign this book? Can you do this? Which is all fine. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to find me. And if you've come to New York to get an autograph from me, like, please stop me and bug me. I'm happy to sign whatever. Uh, So I'd stand there and sign books for like 20 people. And then I would take like five steps after I got rid of that crowd and another crowd would form. Mm -hmm. And I think it took me an hour to go from like, like five booths worth uh, of yeah. walking. And, uh, and I was trying to get to artist alley to just like check out people I know and stuff. And uh, uh, I just kind of threw up my hands and I was like, I can't, I can't do this. I'm out. And so I just walked out of the front of the convention center. Uh, Cause I think I had like a good four or five hours free, which rarely happens. It's and, like the start uh, of an airplane. You're pushing people over, knocking them out as they come. Please hold on. No, I just, I pivoted and I started walking toward the exit and I would get stopped when I just kept, I was trying to leave at that point. And I got to uh, like a block away from the con and I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. And I was real sad. I was like, I, I'm not able to go to the, go to the, the booths and, and do the things. This really sucks. And so I got on my phone and uh, uh, the second Machete movie, I think it was called Machete Kills, was mm-hmm. playing like a couple blocks over. And I was like, ah, screw this. I'm going to see Machete Kills. And so I start walking and uh, Pendleton Ward, the creator of Adventure Time, is walking out of a bodega. And I go, uh, and, I, and I look at him and I go, hey, you having trouble walking the floor? And he goes, yeah, man, it really sucks. I, I can't go anywhere without people bugging me. And I go, you want to go watch Machete Kills? And he goes, <laughs> Yeah, 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 I do. That's awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. Pendleton Ward and I went down the street and watched Machete Kills before we went back to the convention. It was super awesome. Who was it that like two years ago, I forget which celebrity, and Greg, you'll remember, was like, I want to walk the floor. So they dressed in a mask of themselves to go and just walk around. It was a uh, huge Jackman. I know Brian Cranston did that. Oh, uh, that was Brian Cranston. That's yeah, what I was thinking that was, of. Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah, yeah. Andrew Garfield's done it too. Maybe that's what you need to do from now on is just dress as yourself, but with a you mask on there. <laughs> You can always dress like uh, you can dress like me, and then no one will recognize you. That'll be perfect. Shave the beard, fit right in. You know, nobody will be looking for you. Go mustache. And I wouldn't have the be beard. a viltrimite. Yeah, that's takes true. you know, it takes at least two days to grow this thing back. I'm sure. Yeah, you're a very rugged <laughs> Kentucky man, and so it's, it's, it's poof, a glass of bourbon. God, there it is. It's right back where it needs to be. So you've had you've had all. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. A lot of people at Kind of Funny have been using HelloFresh, including Kevin. Isn't that right? Yep. And I love it. What do you love most about HelloFresh, Kev? 
so we do the vegetarian options because Paul is a vegetarian. And mm-hmm. I can't believe how many different vegetarian foods I'm eating that are phenomenal. There's so many. That's great. That's great. And that's the whole thing. HelloFresh gives you a ton of options based on uh, your diet, based on what type of food you're looking for. Uh, they offer the ex- the flexibility you need with customizable orders every week. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences and skip a week, whatever you need. Uh, so you can go to HelloFresh.com slash morning12 and use code morning12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash morning12. Next up, I want to give a shout out to BetterHelp, our new sponsor, BetterHelp Online Therapy. A lot of us take care of our bodies, but 2020 and 2021 have been tough, so you might also want to be taking care of your minds. I mean, definitely, you 100% do. It's been really rough. Uh, There's a misunderstanding of what therapy is. It can be whatever you need it to be, whatever you want it to be. It doesn't have to be sitting around talking about your feelings. A lot of people battle with their temper or their stress, and it's about to kill them, or they have depression, anxiety, PTSD, the list goes on. On. If this is you, you can use therapy to get some tools that help make life easier. Uh, BetterHelp is customized online therapy therapy that offers video phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And that's great. You know, I know a lot of people, uh, have a feeling that one way or another about this type of stuff. And I feel love that this kind of gives you the options to do it at your own pace. And so that you feel comfortable. We're always talking to kind of funny about how important mental health is. And this is a, a great way of uh, great couple steps that you could be taking to, to deal with it. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by better health and all of you listeners can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash morning. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash morning. Betterhelp.com slash morning. Obviously, comics, you've had animated show now. We had Walking Dead, like live action TV show. The Invincible movie, correct me if I'm wrong, is that going to be the first time one of your projects is in a theater, like wide release? Yeah. At this point, I would have to think that of the movies that I'm circling <laughs> of possibly getting out that Invincible won't be the, the first one to come out, uh, but it might be. But yeah, I have not had a movie uh, in theaters yet. Which is, is that uh, something that you're looking forward to as much as I imagined you would be? Yeah, I mean, it's not like uh, uh, if, if, this, if this happens, I, if this doesn't happen, I will die unfulfilled. You know, it's still, <laughs> it's still like, oh my God, like that would be amazing if that happened. Uh, it'd be very exciting, but it's not, uh, it's not something that, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I'm not yet in the like, okay, this is definitely going to happen. This has to happen kind of, kind of mindset. I'm still very much hopeful, but uh, I try not to be, uh, I try not to pin too much hope on these things that aren't necessarily set in stone yet. Yeah. What, what is the status that you could talk about of the Invincible movie? Because like, I will say it's crazy that for the last, whatever, six years, it feels like we're like, oh man, there's going to be an Invincible movie or it's a TV show or it's, it's animated. It's not animated, all this stuff. The fact that we're actually watching the show now and it's real is like unbelievable to me. But what is the status of the movie now? Uh, the status of the movie is that it is in development. Cool. It, so if it, <laughs> now that the show is out, in addition to the comic, do you, what do yeah. you, how are you thinking of the movie? Like, let's say it does happen and gets through development. Like, how are you going to treat that differently than mm. the show? I mean, it's still a little early for me to be able to talk about. All I can really say is that it will be different. Um, it'll obviously be based on the same comics that the show is based on, but uh, it will 
possibly adapt certain parts of the comic that we're not really focusing on. It will take a different kind of slant to how we're adapting the story to give it a different kind of, you know, feel. Um, you know, we know what we're doing uh, and we know how it will be different, but I can't really talk. I can't really talk about sure, it. Fair. Everyone will be played by a dog in the movie. <laughs> Damn it. I knew so it was going to be. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be super cool. <laughs> You know, you talk about the different movies circling. You talk about like not getting your hopes attached to anything in particular. Expanding that out, is that why you do so much? Is that you can never be heartbroken because you're so busy? I can't imagine what your day looks like because uh, you just have so many things going and it, you're spinning so many plates, let alone like the, your projects, the things you're working, the things you're writing, then what Skybound itself is doing and a Skybound continues to grow and go nuts, whether it be games or just in general, what they're up to. Like, how, how do you fit it all into the same 24 hours we have? Cause I play games at some point and don't look at anything. <laughs> well, I am a broken person with a deep, dark hole inside of me that will never be filled. Um, but uh, <laughs> all joking I mean. aside, I don't know. I feel like I, I have a lot of opportunity and I, it would be uh, disrespectful for me not to uh, uh, accept those opportunities sure. and try and do cool stuff with them. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, uh, uh, I, you know, it's, it's, it's what I would do for a hobby of, uh, uh, you know, doing all this stuff. And it's something that is, is fun more than anything else. And so the time that I would have spent playing more video games or I don't know, putting little model sailboats in bottles. I don't know what people do for fun. Um, That's what Nick does. You know, I, I, I yeah. I, so far in my 41 years, I've gotten through one. So I got, <laughs> if you want it, I'll send it to you. Please no, do. but I mean, that would be amazing. I, I feel like we, I mean, I feel like we are fortunate, obviously on a smaller scale to be in the same spot, right? Where, we're doing a podcast. This is so it's a blast so far, specifically when you make fun of Greg. So if you want to do more of that, that's, that's fun for me. Um, <laughs> but obviously like we're, I think we feel a little bit of the same thing too, where, you know, we are fortunate to be able to do this for a living and I would do this no matter what, like we used to do this when we had a better, you know, I shouldn't say better job. So why only two episodes a week guys? Uh, there's uh, like three oh, other shows God. a day. Yeah, we why. do like 15 <laughs> okay. shows. So okay. yeah, this one's too. We do another show called In Review that you're more than welcome to do a few with us if you want. Uh, where we come in and in review. Yeah, come in and come do the come and be on Invincible Reacts. That would your unbiased opinion to our that reactions. Would be awesome. <laughs> you guys are wrong. I know you, just, you. You didn't get this part of the, why do you why are you asking that? That was explained in the episode. <laughs> you Definitely what happened. What are you watching right now, if anything? Uh, I'm watching, I mean, I'm watching, uh, uh, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm enjoying that. Uh, uh, what do you think I, of WandaVision? I, I liked it a lot. I think yeah, I uh, I, both of those shows are really spectacular in that they're making you uh, love those characters in ways that you never would have when they just appeared in movies. Uh, giving yeah. you that time to get to know them, I think, mm -hmm. is, is really cool. And when they show up in a movie later... Like when when Scarlet Witch shows up in Doctor Strange two, you're gonna be like, oh my god, it's Scarlet Witch, and you'll you'll be like so much more invested in her character than you were when she you know showed up in all those other movies, and so I really love those shows for that. Um, I don't know. I mean, my it's not on right now, but my favorite thing in the world is The Mandalorian. I just uh, really? absolutely love that show. I just I, yeah, I, I right. every minute. 
Let me ask you because it's not my favorite sure. show, and I'll say that. What do you? What draws you to the man? I know it's fair. <laughs> I've been called worse by by most people on this podcast. What What draws you to that? Because I to you're me, you're now my and, least favorite, Greg. You're number two. <laughs> Woo! Fair. Go Tim's. Does, does Tim yes! just because he's wearing a leather jacket? Is that why? Because he's shiny right now. Um, oh boy, yeah. The thing about the Mandalorian that I find that that's I mean to be to be candid, that's different than than a lot of stuff you do is like I, I just don't see a deep deep depth of character development and storytelling in the Mandalorian. But people always give me the feedback that they're like that's they like just the experience of it. And I, I'm just I'm just curious what draws you to that as being like a favorite of yours. Well, I think the the I love the bite sized installments, and I think that's mm. the way I would frame it. You're not there are some character developments, and I think there's uh to to you know Mando's character. There's like some Ooh. hints of his past and different things that mm. kind of creep into the story from time to time that give you a more like informed sense of who he is as a person. But I like the episodic nature. I think that every now and then you like to be able to just sit back and watch a show where you get a a, a story with a beginning, middle, right. and an end in every episode. I think that cable dramas are spectacular but they've become so popular it's like every single show including invincible which is spectacular please go out and watch invincible great show uh, yeah, right, right walking dead too like they're still out there watch those shows um, but uh, uh but yeah I, I like a i like a nice show that just kind of has like a a, a contained story hmm. uh, but i think my favorite aspect of it is uh how well they do blatant fan service um just See, that like, might be might be my least favorite aspect of it but sorry continue i cut you off but like it, it, mandalorian is the one thing out there that gives you exactly what you could have ever wanted like you're watching mm. the first season and you're like man i wish boba fett would show up that'd be really cool and then it's like <laughs> here's boba fett look at that he's awesome and then uh uh when uh is it uh uh golly i'm i'm, I'm, I'm t- i feel like an idiot i'm totally blanking on everyone's name luke now. skywalker uh no <laughs> yeah. no the the uh uh Good Lord. Um, Ahsoka, Ahsoka Tano. Oh, there Ahsoka we go. Tano, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I held out for it. I was really going to lose some cred. But uh, this guy is in Star Wars. When she says there's not a lot of Jedi's out there, and you're sitting there going, "Well, are they saying they're going to put Luke Skywalker in the show? Because they never in a million years would put Luke Skywalker in the show." And then the last episode, Luke Skywalker shows up, and you're like, "Oh God!" Like mm. it's exactly what I wanted, and it's happening. Like this is this is insane. Um, you know, it's 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 nice to have a show that that does that. Um, you know, and I like I, you, I I like to think about different things that they might do in season three, and it's like, well, that would never work out. And then you're, and then I'm like, oh, that's that's probably going to happen. Uh, but uh, uh, like now, I'm just like, when when does Thrawn show up? Like, I'm sure Grand Admiral Thrawn is going to be the main villain of season three, and he's going to be played by some awesome actor. And uh, you know, that's ridiculous fan service, but I think it's done in a way that's that's spectacular. Plus, the show they're spending like a billion dollars on it; it looks spectacular. So. Yeah. I don't know. I can't, I, I don't, if you don't enjoy that show, you have no soul. Fair. And Nick. I mean, we all know this about me already. I think I, I think there's too much coffee. Yeah, Just calm down. Stop being so smart and enjoy something for God's sake. No, but, but here's the thing. Real talk though. That, that there's a little bit of a um, trend happening where, where, where a lot of storytellers, instead of writing the story that they might want to write and surprise you with, uh, they're doing fan service. And I'm not going to point to anything uh, that may have come out in HBO Max uh, lately that's four hours long, but is that a trend that you see happening and, and does that concern you at all? I mean, if it's a trend, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's not like everything is going to start going to that, but I think having things that uh, are designed to excite people and give thing, give people what they want isn't necessarily a, a bad thing. I think that um, 
uh, you know, um, not naming names, but I mean, there are shows out there where um, the fan buildup damages the show. A WandaVision, mm-hmm. I guess, is a perfect example of this, where all the online chatter is like, oh man, Mephisto's going to be in this. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're going to see uh, Reed Richards and, and all this other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's this is how they're going to bring the X-Men into the MCU. And, and and it's like, there's nothing about that show that like promised you those things. It's just mm-hmm. little lines of dialogue that you're, that you're <laughs> hinting at to it. Well, the Quicksilver thing made me do a little bit. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, sure, 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 sure. Uh, but, uh, but, to that, uh, but to that degree though, right? They, they hit you with that and you go, oh, great. That to me was fan service. And they go, nope, just kidding. And so that's, that's kind of why I, I'm a little bit more drawn to what Marvel's doing is because they are giving you kind of what you want, but then they're quick to either pull the rug out from underneath you or say, nope, that's not what you wanted. This is what you want. Now you want this, um, which I felt like they're doing a little bit better and a little more delicately with WandaVision and with, with the Falcon Winter Soldier. And again, that's not to say the Falcon Ooh. Winter Soldier isn't fan service. Cause that would be, that would be stupid. Not, you know, to say that as well, yeah. but. Well, I think what you have to do as a storyteller is you have to deliver. And so if you're not going to give fans quote unquote, what they want, you have to give them something better which says, oh, this is actually what you wanted, but you're not the writers on this. Mm-hmm. You're not the creators behind this. So you didn't know exactly what you wanted. And, yeah. and, and now we're telling you and, and it's spectacular. Um, you know, that's what you want to do in success. Uh, if the Mandalorian, uh, you know, gave you Boba Fett and gave you Luke Skywalker and it sucked, well, that would be like the worst thing ever because they're giving you what you want and it's not meeting your expectations. I, th- I think when it meets your expectations, that's what makes it okay. Mm. If it doesn't meet your expectations, mm. then I'm like, oh, you're, you're wasting my time. This is no good. Yeah. So you're that's saying there's I no meeting my two. expectations. I mean, I think that's true at this point with Matt Lorian, with Nick, but no, I think actually, season two was fair. vastly superior to season one because of all this. And so much of it was because season one was kind of a, a build like of, of a cast of characters that were like, ah, I don't want you. I want Luke Skywalker and I want Ahsoka and I want whatever. And then season two was like, okay, we're getting those characters, but they're being met by these characters from season one that now we're like, somehow we watch season two and we're like, oh, Bill Burr's character is my favorite now. We'll see that. And like, that's that's crazy. crazy. So I, I did, I did come around uh, on season two. I actually enjoy season two a lot more than season one. And oh, I love it, how he's changing his story now. Well, it wasn't until the Bill the Burr flip-flop, episode. Robert. If I've seen, now I'm on your side, Robert. Robert. He does Robert, suck. Worst person on the podcast. I still don't love <laughs> yeah. the show, but I did enjoy season two a lot more than season one. Um, and, and I think it was because of that Bill Burr episode because there, there was sort of a, that, that to me is what I think, um, go, like the kind of storytelling I like, right? Which is something that Inventable does a lot, which is taking a character and putting them in a moral conundrum of like, what's you have to do to, like you're both your options for solving this problem are terrible. So pick the lesser of the two evils. And in that specific one, I love that episode where it was like, you're never supposed to take off your helmet, but look what you, now this is the, that's the yeah. thing you have to do because there's something greater at stake. And so you have to compromise your morals for the, for the overall you know, I mean, I just thought I, that's that's the kind of storytelling that, that draws me to that. Not necessarily seeing someone in the Boba Fett armor, albeit it's cool, but that's very to me. That's that's what I you know, I worry that people are going to go. Well, people really love Boba Fett armor. So let's just put Boba Fett armor everywhere and let's yeah. forego those wonderful moments where Bill Frickin Burr is one of my favorite comics on the planet is like, yeah, take that damn helmet off, didn't you? Yeah, don't don't judge me. Don't sit there and judge me in your shiny, cool armor. I think you're admitting that the the show that you want more of that from is at least giving you some of that. It so, is. It is. You know, it is. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, uh, 
I don't know. As I get older, I, I do find myself going, uh, I just want to sit back on a couch and watch explosions every now and then. You know, when That's I was fair. younger, it was like, I need more challenge from my entertainment. <laughs> and now I'm just like, just let me turn my brain off for, for half an hour. Well, I feel uh, like it's tough, though, because especially with Star Wars, right? There's so much that you bring into, well, I was going to say the theater, but I guess you bring into your yeah. living room when you fire up a Star Wars show that you maybe don't with WandaVision. And it's no disrespect to WandaVision or, or to those characters, but... I still think that as a, as a child of the 80s, Star Wars just has this maybe unhittable mark that I want it to hit every single time. And that might just be an unrealistic expectation. I think I mean, Marvel has that more than anything now, right? Like, especially straight out of Endgame. Like, we're dealing with two decades at least of Star Wars that at best is, you know, divisive. <laughs> At worst, this is Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's like people love, people hate, but there's like not a True. consensus. Whereas like, at least with like MCU, especially where we're at now, it's like there's a consensus. And it's like the ability to be let down by it is like so much easier and so close to just them failing at any given moment. But it's like there's a level of trust there where I feel like with Star Wars, it's a little bit more uh, trepidation going into the 11 projects they've announced. Just a few. I can't wait for all of them. Me too. Yeah, I, I love it all. Oh, we'll be watching and reacting to all of them. Don't worry about that part. Have you um? Have you ever? It, hypothetical. They go. We want you to do a run of this, of one of these. Would you do it? Uh, I mean, I would definitely be tempted, but uh, no. I mean, my uh, <laughs> I was I was uh, uh, I was briefly in the Transformers room for. Uh, uh, they did a Transformers writer's room for the movies uh, before the Bumblebee movie and before the last Michael Bay mm -hmm. movie. And uh, uh, they asked and I was like, well, I love Transformers, so I'm going to do this. And uh, I ended up having to leave because I had to get throat surgery, which was uh, not fun. But uh, uh, but that's why I left. But before I left, I was kind of in the room going, well, I mean, I, I love Transformers so much. I, I don't know if I can do this right. Like, mm. Uh, when you have an affinity for something at that level, it uh, holds you back to a certain extent. You're not uh, you're not willing to roll your sleeves up and and you know break the toys and and kind of get in there and 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 uh, it's it's hard for me to bring my own storyteller's voice to the story when I've built up the stories that have come before yeah. uh, to the you know to the degree that I just want to kind of do stuff that's just like that. Uh, and so I, I, I feel like I learned my lesson there. And so no, no matter how much I would want to do something like that, I feel like I'm much better off doing my own stuff. What would be it's, your it's just, it's story? It's more fun. It's more, I, I mean, I, I was sitting there going, I want to see Michael Bay's Unicron. Like I want to, I want to see Hot Rod. I just want to see the 1986 movie, like through Michael Bay's lens. I, I, I was like, I just, oh, I want them to, I, I want, I want to try and talk Michael Bay into coming to Comic-Con two years from now with a three minute teaser for his next Transformers movie. And it's just a shot for shot remake of the opening three minutes of the 1986 oh God, Transformers yes. movie. Like, I, unbelievable. And like as a fan, I was like, I would, I would literally melt if I ever saw that. Like that would be the craziest, just Unicron, like eating that planet where those scientists have the beakers that are shaking and with the best you know, crunch sound getting, of all time yeah. the, the yeah, cartoon yeah. ass like oh, it's, yeah, it's, oh. yeah he's just but unicorn's just way too big to be able to do the the patented michael bay camera circles around him over and over again until one of us throws up but i think he's gonna get it work <laughs> you talk about this, hurt you, you know, nick 
Where's the, the, the fun in your soul? The, the on, 90s man. and the early 2000s. That's where. That's how he prequels, man. The prequels. The question then I want to turn it on a little bit on you and for people maybe who haven't read your books, Robert, like when usually you do have a pivotal death or end one of the series or talk about it, you know, you put these letters in there often, not always, but often talking about the process for you and stuff. And so like, you're talking about like going into transformers and then be like, Oh man, I, I just love this so much. I, it's hard to do this and live up to that expectation. How do you get around that with yourself then where you're writing and you know, I mean, spoilers for the walking dead, you're going to kill Glenn, right? Like, you know, that you're, you you want to do that. You, I think in that one uh, for that issue, right? I think there was a letter talking about it. You knew that was the way, and maybe even for the end of walking dead, which I won't spoil, but there was ones in there. Like you knew this moment was coming. You delayed it at one point, but you knew like, do you have that like, angel on your shoulder devil on your shoulder conversation of like do you of like maybe i should let him stick around longer maybe i shouldn't do this to this character well there's no affinity for my own stories so you know while i i that i i i i learn to love the characters not learn to love i i I grow close to the characters as i write them and i and i i care for them almost like they're real people uh uh, at the risk of sounding somewhat psychotic um but uh so you know when i when i do kill a character in anything that i'm doing uh it's it's very upsetting um you know i talked about i i won't spoil which character but like i i was plotting the issue where this character died and i started like tearing up like on an airplane i had my notepad out and I was like looking around, I'm like, oh, is anybody seeing this? Like, oh God, this is no good. Uh, so, so I feel that, but as far as any kind of, um, you know, am I going to mess this up if I do this? Uh, I'm very much of the mind of that, that the thing I'm doing is what it is. Um, I, I, when Walking Dead happened as a TV show, I got really concerned with the popularity of the show mm-hmm. and the fact that there was a show um, affecting the comic book because I felt like the show happened and the show was popular because of what I was doing in the comic book. And I wasn't doing the comic book with anything like that in mind. There was a purity to what I was doing. And I didn't want to mess with that because I felt like if I messed with that, then the whole thing would collapse and then, you know, things wouldn't go well and it would be bad. And so I tried to put that kind of stuff out of my head. And so I'd be writing the comic book and I would say, you know, it'd be really cool if there was a tiger you know, a guy had a pet tiger, like that'd be, that'd be kind of neat. Nobody would expect that. And then in my head, I'd be like, well, how do you, how do you do a pet tiger in a TV show? Is that going to work? And then I'd go, no, fuck it. I'm doing the tiger. I'm doing the tiger. I got to do the tiger. I can't be a sellout. And, and thinking about it, I might not have done the tiger if there had ever been, uh, if there hadn't been a TV show, because I might've thought to myself, well, that's kind of ridiculous. It's not really practical to have a pet tiger and then an apocalypse how would you find enough meat to keep the tiger fed the tiger would eventually eat you and also tigers are loud they're gonna attract zombies to you this doesn't make any damn sense but because i had that initial thought of well how would they do it on the show i forced myself to do it uh uh, for integrity's sake and so uh i try to keep that mindset in everything um if i have a weird idea and i think it could work or and, and if i worry that it might damage the status quo or pull me too far away from what the book or whatever is supposed to be uh i i still i still kind of do it because i'm like well no i had the idea and 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 i have to kind of uh i don't know like it's it's like there's a there's a thing in my head that makes me think of these things and i, I and that's the thing that makes the stories interesting and if i start questioning that uh then the stories might not work I guess. Did I answer your question at all? I kind of. Yeah, no, this is, that's great. Mm -hmm. That's a great train of thought on it. And it actually leads to a question from Patreon that I want to give you. Uh, Spragu 
wrote into patreon.com slash kind of funny and says, uh, Hey Robert, I've uh, been a big fan of your work for a, a while, a little while now, late cover. And one thing I wanted to say is how I really, <laughs> not too long, not too long. No, I've been around forever. You know, uh, I, I really love how you handle your books from things like shadow drops to creating fake solicitations for the end of the walking dead. How do you decide to handle these things? Also, I love firepower. It may just be my favorite yet. Uh, of course, another, <laughs> another book from you there. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Like you sure. knew how you wanted to end walking dead. You knew you were on the path to do that back to, I guess this goes back to a little bit of the tiger, but was there a moment of like, do I really want to end this comic book? That's this important to the industry, let alone the, the empire that is walking dead in the, like the throes of walking dead being one of the biggest things on the planet. Like, cause if you're not aware of fans who didn't watch the comic book club, go to hell. Uh, it, you know, the fact that it was <laughs> like, you made up fake issues to put into diamond preview guides so that when you, the issue hit that ended walking dead, it surprised everybody. I woke up that morning yeah. and people were like, Greg, grab walking dead. Now don't read anything else. Get, get in there. And it was, this is the final issue of the walking dead. Totally unexpected. <laughs> did you, I can't remember. Did you actually read through the issue? Not knowing it was the last issue. No, by the time oh, I, I was like, what? And then like, I saw it on Reddit too, of like they, somebody had screenshotted the page of like your letter there. And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. I remember by the time I read it, there was, Reddit. it was still a question Reddit. of what was going on. Like it, I, I didn't believe it when I, when I, when it ended. And I remember talking to Greg, <laughs> just being like, what? Like, how is this real? Especially because, and I'm sure you can correct me on this, like, it was right after a, a big tent pole number, right? It was after like a 150 or a 200 or, it or was, something like uh, that. Seven issues prior to 200. It was exactly okay. It was, it was like, it oh, wasn't yeah. where you'd expect it at all. Yeah, which was just, uh, it was perfect the way that worked out. Cause yeah, and, and, and it was troll. It was an issue, <laughs> it was an issue, it was an issue after the, I, I mean, people call me a troll sometimes and I'm like, that's not nice. I guess it applies. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Accurate, but not nice. <laughs> um, and and I, 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 I'm just trying to, you know, I, 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 a troll, I guess, is trying to get a rise out of people. And and but what I'm trying to do as a as a storyteller is uh, uh, shock people and excite people and and uh, you know, so I guess sometimes confuse people, uh, but also just give you something you're not expecting. I think I come at this stuff like a, like a fan. As a fan, I am sometimes going, this is boring. Why, why like what is expected is happening. Like as a fan, I'm going, I, 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 I get a, a announcement of a comic book and I see what's coming. And then like, I have to wait six months for it to actually mm -hmm. come out. And I've seen preview pages and I know what it's about. And I've kind of guessed what the story is going to be. And then I read the comic and I'm like, that was pretty good. Um, you know, is there any way to not do that? Um, and so, and so that kind of gets me thinking about different ways to, you know, get a comic book into stores and different ways to, uh, you know, surprise people. Um, with the end of Walking Dead, it was, we didn't announce, the, we didn't announce that it was the end. It was a two ninety nine issue. We didn't announce that it was oversized and I can't remember exactly, but I think it was like 80 pages. So it was almost the size of a trade paperback in and of itself. And it just showed up in stores as a two ninety nine issue. And uh, I was hoping that people would be like, I, like, why is this issue so big? I don't understand it. By the time you get to like page 40, when you're reading it, you're like, wait a minute, is, is this the end? Like, could this be the end? This is, this is bizarre. Um, and, and I wanted it to feel as shocking and surprising as a lot of the deaths that had happened in, in the series. Um, you know, I recently called it in an interview, the, the greatest gift I could give the fan base, which I guess, again, sounds kind of trollish, 
But uh, um, if you've invested in The Walking Dead for 193 issues, you have, you know, ridden some waves. You've gone up, you've gone down, you've dealt with some massive character deaths. Uh, you know, you've been upset by them. You've, you've, you've carried on, you've invested in this series um, to just announce the end of the series and then have you anticipate what the end would be for a year and guess like, oh, maybe they'll do this. Maybe they'll do that. Um, only to be disappointed that we didn't do the thing that you wanted to do. Uh, you know, I wanted to kind of avoid that. I wanted to just, you know, kind of like walk off the stage without you really expecting it. Um, you know, with Charlie Adlard, of course, I don't want to take credit for everything or anything. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we talked about it a lot and, uh, you know, we wanted to go out on a high note and uh, we definitely didn't want to do Walking Dead every month for the rest of our lives. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's uh, monthly comics is a bit of a grind. Yeah. Uh, uh, especially if you're a comic book artist, it's kind of a walk in the park for a writer. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, Charlie was definitely, um, you know, feeling uh, the pressure of having to do an issue of Walking Dead every month. Uh, and when you look back and you're like, oh, I've been doing this for you know, 16, 17 years, like, am I doing this for 16 or 17 more years? Is this, is this really what I want to do? Uh, uh, you know, it gets to be a little, uh, you know, like the pressure starts to build up. But uh, uh, I don't know. I feel like we picked a good time to go out and I'm really happy with how it ended. Um, but uh, but we'll see. How long did you know you were going to end it there? Because did any uh, of it come from you looking at yes. 200 and just being like, I, 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 we, I can't think of something. I don't want to come up with something that is like shocking just because it's the 200th issue. I've, I've, I've said it publicly and uh, my brain kind of mows over things. So it's like, whatever I said in the past, that was the answer. I think it was like seven <laughs> years or six years. I don't know. There was a, it was a number of years that, that we had been planning to, to wrap it up. Um, I think it was in between compendium, uh, uh, two and three coming out, or it, we were, we were working on the material that was in compendium three. It ended up being a, a four compendium series and each compendium has 48 issues in it. Uh, uh, roughly, I think the last one has 49 issues in it. Um, but, uh, uh, we, we knew that we knew that if it didn't stop at 193, we would have to do another 48 issues because Charlie and I are uh, very uh, anal about like books sitting on a shelf. And so <laughs> thank you for that. It's appreciated. Do, I mean, it's important to me. It's important to a lot of fans, but yeah, it is, uh, uh, you know, it's a big deal, but uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't want to have like three books and then a, and then a small compendium that, that, that wraps it up. Uh, and so we had a discussion of like, well, you know, are, are we doing five of these things or are we wrapping up at four? And, and that was very early on in the process. So it was at least four or five years. Um, but, uh, and then over time, as it got closer, uh, it got scarier and scarier because, uh, you know, it was getting more and more real. Like I had been writing the story to that conclusion and, and I had known that it was coming, and uh, and then the fact that no one else knows, you know, you start to be like, have I have I made a horrible mistake? Is everyone gonna? Is everyone gonna was back. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and uh, we told so few people that there were people that are you know fairly close to me in my life that were like, dude, <laughs> the fuck, like, I thought we were friends, like, what the fuck, you know? And uh, uh, and that's no good. But uh, uh, but I always just say like, no, I, I I made a rule that I only told people I I had to tell, and if I you know, 
didn't have to tell you, I, I didn't tell you no matter how close we were. So, uh, so yeah, I pissed a lot of people off, I guess. With both Invincible and Walking Dead, when you go into them, especially now that they I mean, both are in terms of comics finished, like, is there like a Bible set of rules that you come up with that you, you stick to and do those ever change? Like this character can't die or this character has to die or the, the there will be a cure or won't be a cure for the, the, the Walking Dead and all that stuff. Uh, I mean, there's things like that, that, that crop up as you get deeper into the run and people keep pitching ideas that you shoot down and then you're just like, okay, let's, let's not do that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, there's not like a set Bible for, for the Invincible series, for instance, there's not like a, no superhero shall have this power, you know, there's nothing, uh, uh, nothing like that. Um, Any, I mean, working with Simon Rassiopa, the head writer and Jeff Allen, the supervising director and the team, you know, I want to make it clear. I'm not doing this stuff by myself. Uh, Corey Walker, lead character designer, super great guy. Uh, Couldn't do the show without him. Uh, uh, And he's very much involved. I mean, he's reading scripts and he's giving notes and, uh, you know, he'll be like, I I don't think this character should say this. And I'll be like, okay, you're right. Um, But uh, (laughs) uh, never, never disagree with Corey. But uh, 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 because he's, he's, I've worked with the guy for like 20 years and you eventually realize he's right. uh, Sometimes after you've not listened to him and then you regret it, but uh, he's a, he's a real smart guy. But, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, anything that's that's big that comes up that is a a big change from the comic uh you know we work all that stuff out and we decide if we're going to do that but there's not any kind of set list of of things to avoid it might go better if there was (laughs) uh our time with you's up my question is do you miss the walking dead do you miss writing the walking Mm -hmm. dead the comic Uh, i mean Yes and no. I, uh, I sometimes I think about like, oh, you know, I'm sure Carl had some more adventures. Uh, if I could spoil the end for anyone that hasn't read the comic. I mean, for uh, years we've been telling them to buy the book. It's on them at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, um, you know, so I, I think about the characters a lot. But I'm I'm so happy with how it ended, and 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 proud of you know what Charlie and I were able to accomplish. I wouldn't want to mess anything up by going back. Uh, that said, we went back this year. We did Negan we did Negan Lives, uh, which was another thing that was fun and really exciting because we got to uh, you know do a comic without telling anybody that just kind of showed up in stores. Uh, and uh, you know I, I would love to do more things like that. I think if if time allowed, um, you know it's possible that we'll drag Negan out and do something else with him at some point. Um, it's possible that there's, you know, maybe something somewhat Walking Dead related, somewhat in the works that may possibly be announced at some point before the end of this year. Uh, but uh, uh, I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything. Um, but Why would uh, you? Yeah, uh, you know, don't help me out. It's fine. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people can turn that into an article. Don't worry. Oh, they will. But, uh, <laughs> don't worry. It'll happen. I mean, there's a dot com yeah, out there yeah. right now that we're going to. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, on the kind of funny podcast, blah, 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 Robert Kirkman said, and then hopefully they'll link to you, but maybe they won't. They probably won't. Um, I get that all the time. No. <laughs> they'll still tell me I have garbage, uh, uh, garbage opinions on Mandalorian. So it won't matter. The comments will for sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. Worry about it. And I stand by that. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess I pretty much answered that question. I, I you know, I, I, I like the ending. I don't want to mess it up, but we probably will. <laughs> okay. Good, good. Robert, thank you so much for all your time today. No, thank you, man. This was a lot of fun. Uh, of course, Invincible Amazon right now. You can go get it. You can go watch it. For, by the time you see this, right, first four episodes are up. Yeah, about. Well, I guess it goes live tomorrow, right, Tim? So that's 
Yeah, yeah. it'll all time out. Four episodes. Yeah, yeah. You can go, go get them. Yeah, go yeah, four episodes. Go watch it. Hey, Greg, let's never do this again. You got it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, what was this? Well, this was the Kind of Funny podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Each and every week, twice a week, we come together to bullshit with our friends about whatever it is we want to bullshit about. If you like that, you can head over to patreon.com slash kindoffunny, where, of course, you can watch us record the show live like a little uh, boy named Chris Anka did. Uh, if you were watching live, thank you so much. And remember, you get the post show right now. That's right. We're going over to patreon.com slash kindoffunny to do a post show for this one uh you could also get the show over there ad free you could also write in to be part of it you could do a whole bunch of different stuff but if you have no bucks tossed our way for any of that no big deal you can go to youtube.com slash kind of funny uh you can go to podcast services around the globe you get a brand spanking new episode twice a week every week until next time it's been our pleasure to serve you <laughs>